So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Well, uh, I'm here, of course. My name's Nate Larkin. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, David Hampton. You bet. Uh, our, our recording schedule's been a little bit irregular here in the last couple of months, David. There's been so much going on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we have had changes in our own schedules and our guests, <laughs> you know, God bless our guests. <laughs> They've, they have had everything from COVID to, you know, calamitous uh, happenings and we're just glad they're all okay, but it's played havoc with our, you know, I, I hate it with people's to-do list. Uh, the top of the list is screw up my life. <laughs> Cause it's all about us, you know? Yes. Yes. Of course. Of course. Of course. It, and of course, and it didn't help on my end that Allie and I decamped from, from, you know, Nashville to Florida back in the middle of December. True. And we are, we are, <laughs> We are still here, uh, and will not will not get back home until Valentine's Day. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Nate. You're not going to get a lot of sympathy cards from you know the uh, from the masses here because you have gone to a beautiful, um, warm location to you know uh, yeah. con- convalesce. <laughs> but I, you know, it, it is it is it is wonderful, and I'm it, I'm not minimizing at all. The no. advantages of being here, we are, we're close to grandchildren, we're a block from the beach, uh-huh. uh, the weather, while we've had a few warm days in the 70s, weather typically is in the 50s or 60s, which is still a hell of a lot better, warmer than, than Nashville right about now. Yeah, today is uh, 20, 25 when I went out and walked my dog at 6 a.m., thank you. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but still, I have to tell you, David. Um, I've been taken out of my daily routine, out of my, you know, kind of my rhythm of activity and productivity at home. Right. Uh, I find myself now, you know, homesick, uh, bored. Uh, if this is a, if this is a preview of retirement, uh, then I'm not interested in retiring. <laughs> I really am yeah, not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I miss my familiar places. I miss my guys. And, and I'm finding it very hard to commit to uh, a writing schedule, any kind of a productivity schedule. Yeah. It's like I'm going uh, upstream here on Amelia Island to do any, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for me. However, I, I, I do want to make it clear that I can't wait to get back to real life. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's great because um, I have had so many uh, friends that maybe take an early retirement or they sell a yeah. a business and they are trying to decide if they want to actually go back to work or maybe they could just you know coast a little yeah, bit yeah. from here and and the verdict on retirement resoundingly is not really great from the people I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Not not loving it. They said, you know, the first couple of weeks you run out of closets to clean and you run out of, <laughs> you know, stuff to do. And so you're in this really ordered environment with no real, you know, uh, yeah. place to invest yourself. So we need you back well, in I Franklin. Think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It might be different, uh, David, if we had permanently relocated here and I could now get to work to establish a new routine. But uh, knowing that I am here temporarily. Right. Uh, and in and, and a stay that keeps getting extended, we were fortunate enough to be able to get Allie the first dose of the COVID vaccine. 
Yeah. Uh, down in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, uh, two weeks ago. The second dose uh, follows the first by four weeks. So we had to extend. We were we were supposed to be going home now. Right. But we got to stay another two weeks so she can get her shot. Um, but in the meantime, I feel like I'm in suspended animation because I'm staying in a house that's not mine. Yeah. I'm here temporarily. I can't establish. Anyway, it, I, I probably need to just slow down become more mindful it's like i'm waiting for days to pass mm. rather than rather than just fully inhabiting and enjoying each day as it comes mm. yeah yeah i i get that i get that but you know yeah. it's um it's nice in a way though because you after experiences like this you come back with an appreciation for your daily life that may have previously felt a little bit mundane or uh, mm -hmm. rote, you know, and you come yeah. back with a renewed enthusiasm for the engagement and the community and the purpose that you find um, that you have every day where you are, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. And here at home. So now uh, let me ask you this. You, you recently, you moved uh, living locations, permanent locations. You moved from Nashville back to Franklin. Yeah. You moved from one apartment to another apartment. You changed locations mm -hmm. and it was, wasn't a vacation. It was a, it was a relocation. Right. Did, did you find that, that, that your life changed or your outlook or your experience of daily life changed or the way you approach work when you made the move? Yeah, it's been really interesting because um, even though my routine is day to day kind of the same as far as I go into the mm -hmm. office certain hours and, you know, from about nine to six thirty or whatever. And, um, you know, I have certain things that happen on certain days and all that kind of stuff. Um, I have had to reinvent my routine a little bit because my living situation. Um, I, here's the, I mean, and this is, I'm not going to get sympathy cards for this either. Uh, but, <laughs> but here's my situation is, you know, the, the building that I occupy now, um, half of it's a boutique hotel. Uh, mm -hmm. half of it is a Hilton boutique hotel and the other half is residences. And so, right. um, I have to keep reminding myself that I'm not on vacation because <laughs> you know, my surroundings are pretty dang swanky and I don't, um, want to really leave, you know, it's yeah, kind of, it's gotcha. kind of weird because I don't really want to leave and I have to, I have to keep going, you know, it's, it's eight o'clock. You should probably consider a shower and get out of here because, uh, you know, <laughs> this sitting and looking out at your beautiful courtyard is really not going to pay the bills. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but as far as routine, I think that, I think that aesthetics and environment have a lot to do with it. And, um, and I've had to, I've had to really, um, rethink it, but I, it, but it's interesting because I have felt more at home in this apartment than I did in the place downtown Nashville where I lived before. Cause I, w I lived in a very bustling, you know, I mean, there was, there were sirens and horns and Ubers and oh, everything, yeah, sure, yeah, you know, yeah. outside of my window at all hours of the day and night. And so the reality of living down there was, was really very, very different. And, um, and now I just have all this quiet. It's so quiet. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I, so I've had to, I've had to, uh, settle in, but I have actually felt more at home, um, in my surroundings here. And I lived in Franklin for a long time before I moved to Nashville three or four years ago. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, but routine had to be reestablished, reestablished just because, I am in such a different uh, aesthetic environment that I almost want to hang out there, you know, and I yeah. almost want to kind of, you know, just like, well, you know, uh, I could probably FaceTime most of my clients today if I wanted to. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah. So I have to remind myself that I still um, indeed work, but yeah. And isn't it, isn't it true? Certainly, you know, exterior circumstances and environment play, uh, uh, a formative role, an important critical role in our experience. But when it comes right down to it, uh, experience is framed and really created between the years. It's, it's what's going on in my own head and heart, how I am choosing to experience life today. 
Right. That will, you know, that will really form my experience of life today. Right. And it's a mess. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and that the way we've um, established some long-term recovery uh, actually is going to spill over into, into life circumstances and life practices that may not Mm -hmm. on the surface have anything to do with sobriety necessarily, but they shape the way we approach what life throws at us. And I was going to just kind of set up that our guest today uh, while she's mm-hmm. uh, going to spend a big part of our conversation um, talking about mindfulness practices and the ways that that has, uh, you know, led her into recovery and a healthier place in her life, she gets really vulnerable near the end of the interview. So I want everybody to stay with us to the end of the interview because she kind of um, gets into a very vulnerable situation. She shares about how this practice that she it initially established for her own emotional health is is bringing her into a into a situation in her life she did not anticipate and how mm-hmm. it is helping shape how she faces it yeah 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 well uh i'm sad that i wasn't able to be present for that interview we had a lot going on here uh, Allie had some medical stuff we had to take care of yeah but it's a wonderful conversation listeners you're going to enjoy this it's a treat We'll be back in just a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And um, I have a great guest today that even in the uh, the pre-roll of the uh, of the podcast, I feel like I'm making a new friend, and uh, it's Adapia Derico, Derico actually, uh, and Adapia is a an author, a speaker, an entrepreneur. She has an incredible story of um, what she calls digging her soul out from under her ego. I believe is how she puts it, and uh, it's a it's a great way to put it. By the way, uh, Adapia, because I love that. Um, I can, I can, that, that creates a picture for me that I can relate to, but, um, you know, we always talk about, um, people sharing their stories and their past and, uh, that we're all addicted to, you know, to something and, and most, and not the least of which is ourselves and, and the self and the ego, uh, which drives so much of our, uh, behavior. So, uh, I want to talk about all of that, but welcome to the podcast, Oh, thank you so much for for having me. Uh, like you said, it really felt like in in the pre roll. Um, uh, you know, when you connect with somebody really authentically, um, you just you just feel it. And so I'm, I'm so honored to be on on your podcast today and and to be connecting with you. Well, thank you so much. And I uh, and you're coming to us from the West Coast, is that right? I am. Yes, I am yeah. in California. Oh, nice, nice. Well, we're in the greater Nashville area where it's uh, drizzly and cold. <laughs> Just <laughs> if, you, if that helps you uh, appreciate your surroundings even more out there. But uh, it's always nice for our, our listeners to know where folks are, are coming to us from. But um, you uh, you also have a book, Adapia, uh, Productive Intuition and yes. uh, Connecting to the Subtle. Uh, why don't you, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this whole um, battle with this, the ego and the self and, the, you know, uh, coming to the end of yourself or however oh, you man. like to articulate it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, where, where to start? I mean, um, well, I'll start by saying this. Um, I, you know, I have, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way because for a lot of people potentially listening, like I have like a deep business background. And so I grew up as, um, you know, that, that girl that always got straight A's and did really good in school and was always trying to please her parents and was going to be really successful. And so I started working in a bank when I was 18 and I was like, "Ah, I was so ambitious. And, um, and like, look, I, like, I love business. Uh, I definitely love business and I love what I do because I'm still in it. Um, Uh which is probably the most remarkable thing for me in, in my life because, at the same time, around the age of 19, I started doing personal development work um, after mm. like a terrible like high school boyfriend breakup situation. Uh, and, yeah. you know, um, I started reading the, the personal development books and kind of trying to there's these two sides of me and they were they were always there because even as a little girl, 
I had this, I'm going to call it the magical side of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I set her aside because I recognized early on that that side wouldn't allow me to survive or to succeed um, and be part of society. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely put her aside and I, you know, I went for it. I went for my career. I went for all these things, but there was always this, 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 this piece of me, which was, you know, my inner self, my soul, my higher self that was pulling me in certain directions and always guided me very mm-hmm. faithfully guided me. And what I realized as my life unfolded, um, which included a first marriage that, um, I was in, because I didn't think I could say no. And Mm. I stayed in it for other people, which was made me miserable. Um, even though I had this picture perfect life, because it was all about making sure that everybody thought that I was always okay, that I was always strong, that I was always independent, that, um, I didn't need anybody. And, and yet I was, and I couldn't ask for help. Um, and, and so and this was in, you know, and this was in my, this was in my twenties. And I arrived at this point where I basically, I, I felt like I got hit by lightning and this lightning was like this, you, this can't be your life anymore. Like I was anorexic. I was, you know, I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't, I would overexercise. I was like trying to disappear. just trying uh-huh. to make my body disappear because I was so unhappy, but I didn't know any of this. I was just like trying to, you know, it's a, it's a coping mechanism. How do we cope? But when I essentially like my soul set me on fire and I saw the truth, and this was in 2011, I really woke up. And that was the first moment where I was, where I realized like my happiness matters. And I did not listen to my intuition. I did not listen to my heart when you know, those nine years ago when I first said, yes, Mm -hmm. I should have said no, or at least I should have said, wait, Mm -hmm. I need, I need a moment. And so that set me on this path of digging my soul out from under my ego of like, who am I at that point in 2011, I was 32 and I didn't know myself. I I had no idea like who, who, who am I? And I, and I had to start looking and finding this this self. And I've been on that path ever since. And that's also how the book kind of came about, which we can talk about later, but that's what really started it was I, I got, I just got hit. I got blown up. (laughs) And, um, and then I had to go through a, a dark period, but that darkness led me into the light of seeking my true self and honoring my true self, honoring my heart and, and making that my path forward. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we always talk about recovery in such, you know, bright, positive terms for those of us that are coming out of um, specific uh, types of addiction or, um, you know, compulsive behaviors or whatever. But we always talk about it as though it's this big epiphany and, you know, we hear harps and angels and all that, but it's really disruptive. I mean, it's like the most, you know, like, holy crap. (laughs) what's happening to me? I'm waking up and that's terrible. How can I go back to sleep? It was, it was so much more predictable. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I know. I feel the same way. I always thought that too, when you would hear about enlightenment and, and I was like, Oh, when is the world going to be this beautiful place? And I never have to suffer. And unfortunately the human condition is such that because we have an ego and because we have conditioning, it hurts to get to take it off. Mm-hmm. It, it's like peeling, it's peeling it off and that's stuck on there. It's like, it's like stuck real good. And it's the process of, of peeling it away. It's painful, but it's so clarifying and strengthening. It's like, it's traumatically beautiful in a way, because when we get through it, we realize there's a self and then there's all the not selves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The false selves, um, maybe, um, or like, I guess Jung calls the shadow self and things like that. And, um, and so when you're going through this disruption, you've got to have a pretty strong conviction that you are in the right place. Uh, right. Cause you're, you're, you're disappointing a lot of people and you're, suddenly coming out with a voice that maybe, uh, you're introducing them to somebody they've never met 
as far as your, your inner reality, you know? Um, and how do you, um, how do you prepare people for that, uh, introduction Mm -hmm. and that encounter? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, I think over time, because this has happened to me multiple times, I've had ego death around my career identity as well. A few years ago, that was a big, big dark night uh, mm. of, of the ego, not of the soul, because my soul mm-hmm. was just fine, but my ego mm-hmm. was, was not. Um, I think um, what I learned because I'm, you know, I'm married again to my soulmate, and uh, it's such a testament to really following my heart in this case. And, um, but I was losing him too during this oh. other dark night. And, and it's because I wasn't communicating. It's okay. because, again, I was like, I'm going to do this myself. I can't let him know that I'm not okay, even though I had no idea at that point, because that's when I really started to wake up in like the really big kind of mystical way you could, you could say. And I started to understand these truths about soul and ego and intuition and and all of these really big kind of big topics. Um, But I didn't know what I was going through. And so I couldn't language it. And so, so because I didn't involve him at first, he was pulling away. Of course. Um, And so this is me trying to protect myself and thinking I'm protecting him. And so what I learned through that experience and then as I started to lose people in my life and then new people came in was that it's it's really honoring how you feel and having a, a courage and a conviction and a vulnerability to say what it is, even if you don't know what you're saying. If that makes sense. So it's like, hey, I don't know what this is, but this is what I'm going through. This is how I feel. This is a bit of research I've done, or I went to see this healer, or I talked to a friend, or, you know, whatever we do. And just Mm -hmm. being open about something that's confounding and being willing to say, I don't know. So anyone like me, like if we want to talk about addictions, like I was like, my addiction is control of everything. And being right and and not being weak. And so I had to get over that. I had to like totally eliminate that as even a thing. What does that even mean? Being in control or 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 like not being allowed to ask for help and just admitting that, hey, um, I'm not feeling that great right now and I need your support. And that's the scariest scariest thing is to ask for help when, when you don't know someone else's response, cause you don't know. Um, but holding that conviction and trusting that the, the people that are meant to stay, right. The ones that are meant mm-hmm. are, are, they're going to stay and they're going to get stronger and they're going to stand by you because they are relating to your authentic self, your, your soul rather than the personality or the role or the identity or the mask that you've been living with. Right. And that is, gosh, I mean, that is what I think encapsulates real recovery is learning to live out of the most authentic place um, of, of truth and discover and integrate the things that are, that are real about yourself. Some of the stuff that um, I read uh on the website that you have, mm-hmm. uh, you, you had some clips that you talked about the stories that we tell ourselves, yeah. um, that we believe that, um, you know, if I, um, if I introduce this part of myself to other people, I won't be accepted or mm-hmm. I won't be okay. How do you encourage people, um, to, to take that risk? Yeah, I would say, to like to be really centered because it can be really scary. Um, maybe start small. Start with somebody that isn't the scariest person to tell. Uh, you know, and kind of like test it. <laughs> it's kind of mm-hmm. like test it out, right? right. Um, and and I would say that that is really helpful. Like before having the conversation with like the big person, um, have it with other people and and gain some some perspectives. I've also found, and there's so, so, so much of this, um, support groups, like different kinds of support groups where you already know that there are people who have been through something similar. Mm-hmm. And so they know how to hold space for you mm-hmm. and right. they're not there to give an opinion. Cause that's the worst thing is when somebody's like, well, let me fix you. And, and you're like, I'm, 
I don't want to, I'm not broken. <laughs> I, right. I'm not broken. Yeah. I'm just trying to tell you how I feel. Cause we're so bad at just listening. Yeah. Um, and, and I, so I started my own women's circles just for having the space where people could just share so openly and we're like, we don't give advice and we just listen and we just hold that space. Um, so I would say like, those are some like baby steps. Um, and for some people that this works for, like maybe some mirror work, like saying it to yourself in the mirror and practicing because half the time it's just getting it out of your mouth because it's jumbled in your head. Um, and, and then it ultimately comes down to this place of centeredness around you got to trust you, you, it, and this is the hardest thing for us because we're all control freaks, right? We, we just were like, what's happening tomorrow? What, I, I need to know. Like, ah, and when we have a hard time with surrendering to spirit, we have a hard time with surrendering to the, a greater force. Um, but it's there because it's in us and we are it. And it's like, I am that. And mm-hmm. trusting that if you stay true to what wants to come from your heart, Truly, I know it sounds so cliche. It's so hard for me as, trust me, as this business person that I identified with so strongly, I'm like, don't talk to me about the heart, but that's it. It's all there. Mm -hmm. And coming from that place, um, you can't go wrong. And if somebody doesn't react the way you would like them to, that's Mm -hmm. okay. Because our expectations are our own somebody else's reaction is their own and it's not a reflection of mm, us. Right. Right. Well, th- well, that's good. So can you say that one more time about the, uh, reflection and the trend, uh, the, um, say what you just said again. That, I will try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, I, I, I'm going to say it a slightly different way. So I've really understood that expectation is like the mother of discontent. So when we place expectations <clears throat> on how I want someone to react or behave or what I, what I want them to say, and then they don't, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Right. And, and, but in reality, I need to lose that expectation and just speak from a place of truth and, and the heart and let it be that simple step. I'm speaking what I need to speak because what, what somebody reflects back, especially if it's like, God forbid hurtful is not a reflection on you. It's a, it just tells you about them. Right. It's like, it's a reflection of, of them, not of you. A true, um, heartfelt reflection is going to be like, um, somebody who says, let me repeat what I heard. Um, or they'll just hold what you said and maybe say a word of encouragement and they'll be there for you. But if, if somebody offers a negative reaction or, or a reaction you didn't want, it's very, it's not, uh, it doesn't mean that that is you. It's their reaction. Like, I don't know if Mm -hmm. you've heard this before, like somebody else's opinion of, of you is their opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We always it's, say in recovery, uh, you know, what you think of me is none of my business. That's exactly <laughs> that. You said it. Yeah. I got it wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it's the same with this. It's, it's like, it's like, listen, there's something I want to say. Um, maybe I don't quite know how to say it. It's really emotional for me. It's hard for me to say, but try to say it without an expectation of what you want them to mm-hmm. respond with and let them, let them respond because they also have the right to respond the way that they're going to, because everyone has their own process. Right. And it sounds like you're talking about the difference between living in a place of expectation and anticipation Mm -hmm. as opposed to anticipation where, um, you know, you're, you're open to receiving from people, but, uh, in an anticipatory way, but, but the expectation is going to drive you to potential resentment and disappointment and all of that. Yeah, exactly. And then it just breeds this cycle because then it goes into the head mm-hmm. and then it'll get all, you know, it'll get all wired and, and frazzled and jumbled up. And then, you know, the, the, the fear mechanism, the ego is going to start adding stories. It's going to say, see, I told you so like the inner critic will pop up, the saboteur mm-hmm. will get in there, you know, mm-hmm. the, like all of those elements that are in there of us are going to say like, see, I told you so it wasn't safe. And, and, and so we have to be really careful 
um, because we're, we're dealing with multiples within ourselves, mm-hmm. um, which is why the centering practice to stay centered in the heart, um, which has been proven by, by science, by the way, to, to really actually be this, the seat in, of intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot, in a, in a lot of, um, uh, in a lot of traditions, also the seat of the soul. And that's why like having heart coherence practices are so powerful because it feels very different and you don't get shaken when you go there. Um, so that's a really powerful place to anchor yourself before, let's say a difficult conversation, um, or, um, before expressing something that, that may be difficult to express. Yeah. Now, do you uh, talk about how that practice can be learned in your book, the productivity, or I'm sorry, the productive uh, intuition? Yes. You, so tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I'll tell you really quickly. So the the book was an exploration for me. Like I said, once I realized like all the times I didn't listen to my intuition, mm-hmm. I, all the things went wrong, right. <laughs> like all the worst things. Yeah. And I was like, I knew it. I knew, I knew, I knew it. And I just didn't listen. I was like, I'm sick of this. I'm so done. Um, and, and then I also realized that when I did follow my intuition, all these beautiful things did happen. And I was like, how does this work? Cause I always thought intuition was for psychics, mm-hmm. not for me. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, you know, I'm like, no, I, I'm not special. Cause we have these ideas of who's supposed to be intuitive or, or what have you when in reality, cause I love research. So I did a lot of research around how intuition works. And I found the science that basically shows we're hardwired for it. Mm-hmm. And it's in our, the way our mind and our brain works. It's in our body. It's in our heart. It's in our emotions. And then of course there's the spiritual element um, because I came to understand a lot experientially about, you know, our spirituality. So the book is, is really aimed at helping people get to what I call inner authority, that strong place. Um, and it's anchored in the heart because that's where we find our sovereignty as free willed, free spirited beings. And so I do include a lot of science and I do include a lot of practices and there's resources uh, that include the heart math Institute or I am heart, for example, those are two institutes that have a ton of resources and just so much science around different kinds of meditations. But the simplest for those listening, it's so simple. It's almost impossible to believe. Um, where let's say if you're going to meditate, even for five minutes, I always put my hands on my heart because I need the physical touch just as a Mm -hmm. reminder. Mm -hmm. And you just breathe into your heart, just quietly breathe into your heart and feel how it feels. Um, and if you're doing it, you can even think about dropping your awareness into your heart. And what would it be like to think with the heart and love with the mind. So like integrating the heart and the mind. So moving the mind into the heart and you can actually ask, and I do this with a journal. I ask my heart questions Mm, and I get answers. Yeah. I just write down whatever it is. Some people are visual. I'm not, I'm not visual. I'm also not auditory. I just get um, information and I get feelings. And so I write that down and it's, it's the simplest, it's the simplest thing. And again, it requires that trust of like, this is, this is a real thing because you're going to feel a different sense of you in here than what's in, you know, our mind, let's say, or the, the, the ego. It's really experiential. It's very powerful. Wow. Yeah. What a great, what a great practice. And um, not for the, no pun intended, not for the faint hearted either. I'm sure. Cause it's like, you know, you better, you better, uh, put your seatbelt on for some of these answers I'm imagining. Right. Yeah. If and they can be gentle answers too. I mean, sometimes, yeah, if you're going to ask a big question, um, you got to be open to the answer because your, your ego, your mind is going to want to shut it down because it doesn't feel safe. Right. Right. Cause the brain uh, wants everything to, wants to keep everything the same, that homeostasis that, you know, thinks everything's uh, its job to keep everything safe and sane. Now, before, um, we started, uh, the recording, you shared some pretty challenging personal news with me and you said Mm -hmm. that it was good for you to talk about this. And so I want, if you would like, 
um, if you're still up for it. Sure. Um, to I'd like for you to kind of share what you're what you're dealing with right now, Adapia, and uh, and tell us how these practices that you have established for yourself are actually in real time, like right probably this minute, yep. coming into practice for you in in what you're experiencing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, thank you. So um, back around the end of November, I um, I started to feel uh, really ill. I started to have a lot of um, pain in my gut, uh, which quickly precipitated. And um, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when I was 16 years old. And, um, you know, I, I went through that period and for the last 15 years, I've been disease free to the point where I would walk around I'd be like, I don't have Crohn's, but you know, Crohn's is an autoimmune disorder. It's an inflammatory bowel disease. So there is no cure. And, um, and so what happened in December is I started to get deathly ill. Like I was, the inflammation was so bad that, I actually got arthritis in my upper body and even my feet sw- swole up. So mm. I couldn't, I couldn't even get out of bed in the morning and I'm 41. So, I mean, I know I'm like over the hill, but I'm not, <laughs> you know, I'm not like not so hardly. old <laughs> right, that I can't yeah. get out of bed. Um, right. And I was really, uh, really challenged um, because I'm sure you, you can all tell, like I'm a pretty independent, strong mm-hmm. woman and um I couldn't do anything I I, I like, and I faced a a challenge of identity around who am I if I can't even like make myself food, you know, let alone like keep it down. But, you know, I I can't help around the house. I can't take the dogs out. I can't, I can barely stay awake because I was in so much pain that I would just pass out all the time from the pain and, Mm. um, and, and so I had to do, I always, it, I just always go into my shadow work. I just go, I always go there. Um, and I, I was just asking myself these questions, like, am I being punished? Like, uh, did I do this to myself? Um, you know, and, and what happened was unraveling this identity of who am I if I'm not strong? Who am I if I'm not able? Like, how much of my identity is tied up in my abilities? Mm-hmm. And why, if I'm just this big burden, then why would my husband, Andrew, why would he love me and be with me? And, and like all of this was going through. And so my practices, um, you know, came down to, uh, working with those questions and getting to the bottom of them by feeling into the truth. Cause those are just questions, but when I would ask myself, when I would ask my body, when I would speak to the pain, um, I realized like, but I'm still here. So I'm not those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm not that identity. I'm still here. And I, I prayed a lot. Uh, I got miracles of, of people offering support and other naturopathic medications and to the point where I actually asked for a Christmas miracle and I feel that I got it because shortly after Christmas, I started to get a little bit better. And then fast forward to, to last week um, where I received a full diagnosis after going through all the testing, colonoscopy, all of it. And it's, it's really bad. They said I'm like within a hair's breadth of needing to completely remove my entire intestine and have the, the, the bag, um, which was a really hard day. <laughs> like, yeah. really hard. Um, but I know my, I know my process. And so I had like, I grieved a lot. Um, I resisted the idea of that having to happen. And then I woke up the next morning and I kind of said, you know what? F this. Right. I know what I'm dealing with. I know what it is now, which means I know what I'm up against. Um, and I was already getting better. And so I'm going to double down and I'm, I, this is no longer about my identity. This is about how do I really truly take care of myself? Because I, I wasn't, I, I was super stressed out. I was trying to do too much because autoimmune is a stress related. It's an environmental, it's a lifestyle illness as much as it is, you know, it's not food that causes it. It's yeah. stress. 
And so I made a decision in my full, the fullness of my body, my mind, my emotional body. And I said, I'm, I'm going to beat this. And that's the, that's the path I'm on, but also knowing I'm so supported because by some miracle, I, I, I had already made it through the darkest part of it before a diagnosis, before any medication. So somewhere in here, there is God's source spirit. Somewhere in here, there is something greater than me that I called upon to support me. And that's what I continue to, to call upon um, through my heart and um, talking to my body and um you know, taking the the actual like you know boots on the ground steps to to cure myself or you know to to treat it. Right, right. Wow. Well, thank you for a being courageous and vulnerable and sharing that with us yeah. uh, and wanting to because I think that um, sometimes when we talk about these kinds of things like ego and heart and uh, becoming in touch with the soul and the self and the true self and all that stuff, it can sound really conceptual and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, it can kind of smack of, yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome when you've got the perfect life to have the luxury to, um, you know, uh, apply those things to yourself. I'm over here trying to juggle, you know, three kids, a carpool and a drinking problem. And where did, you know, where in the hell do you think I'm going to come up with, you know, this kind of thing. And so I feel like, I feel like you sharing that part of your story today kind of really put, um, some, uh, some teeth to this, uh, to this reality because it's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, talk about disruptive. I mean, good God. I mean, you've got, you got some disruptive news and yeah. you've got some, you've got some stuff ahead of you to, to push forward in, but I love your approach and your attitude. And, you know, we certainly wish you all the very, very best with all of that and yeah, know you. that, you know, these things will, um, these things will bring you peace and comfort and truth and healing. And um, so I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very encouraged by, by you sharing that. So thank you for that. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And thanks for that reflection about the groundedness of, you know, these principles. That's been one of the hardest things for me. And it's also why I wrote the book, because it was really hard for me conceptually to like get on board with all the spiritual stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reality is, is that the spiritual comes through the, the body, comes through the material. Like we have to be in our body. We have to live this life. We can't escape it. It's, it's, and, and so it's an everyday practice, you know, it's not just meditating with my eyes closed. Like I barely even do that these days anymore. My, my practice is wide open, mm-hmm. wide awake, just mm-hmm. dealing with it and, and trying to notice where my own patterns get in my own way. and. And I would say too, like, we don't get, we don't get given anything that we can't handle, no matter what that outcome is, right? No matter what it is, it's our path and we're going to learn something from it. And the people that are with us on that path are also learning and growing with us. And I really, really believe it. It's not like I think there's a purpose for me in being sick, right? It's not like Mm -hmm. I'm going to bypass, but it really is like, whatever I have it, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to learn something about myself and so be it. Right. Like this is it. Um, I'm so fortunate in so many other ways. I'm so fortunate. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and, and act like, um, this is like the, the, the end of the world. Does that make sense? It's like, Oh yeah. I'm so grateful for my life. I'm like, I'm, I'm so grateful. And so, you know, we, we can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Adapia, thank you for being with us. Uh, Adapia DeRico is our guest today. And um, again, the book is Productive Intuition, Connecting to the Subtle. But uh, Adapia, how can people get in touch with you uh, or find your other uh, materials and clips and things like that that are really helpful? Yeah, thank you. So I, I do have a, a website, 
um, for the book called ProductiveIntuition.com. And of course, you can find it on Amazon. Um, it's going to be on Barnes and Nobles and some other places soon. And um, that's the best place to find out a little bit more about the book. Uh, I have my website at apiadorico.com. And if people want to connect with me, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, as you can imagine, uh, and also Instagram. Uh, so if people want to connect with me there, I would love to connect. Uh, let me know how you found me. Um, you know, if, if you're going to like DM and, and chat, I'd love to connect with people. And um, if I can be a resource to anyone, you know, whether you're going through a dark night or whether you're kind of going through something challenging, um, I, I really, I, I, like, I really like being there for people because um, so many people were there for me. And um, I think it's, it's really important. So um, yeah, luckily, Luckily, I have a, a pretty unique name. So if you Google me, I come up and I'm also pretty easy to find that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a good thing. That's a that's a great thing. And they can also then find out about your speaking and your workshops and the other yeah. things that you do as well. So yeah, yeah, All that's right. on my website. That's on com. So I am a transformational speaker, keynote speaker. Um, yeah, I do workshops. I actually hold circles, you know, now virtually, but hopefully soon. Um, again in 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 person well yeah amen to that (laughs) (laughs) we're all ready (laughs) yeah (laughs) well Pia, thank you again for being with us and again for your vulnerability and your um just your your heart you know just sharing your heart with us so uh we are very happy to have you and um and we look forward to hearing um great and wonderful things about how things uh, go from here for you. Well, thank you so much. It was really an honor and a pleasure um, to be on. And just thank you for even having this resource for people. Um, it's, it's beautiful, necessary work. So just to honor, really want to honor you for, um, for having this space for people. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that as well. So, um, well, listeners, uh, stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And Nate, I really enjoyed getting to have that conversation with Ada Pia. Um, she, uh, she is so, um, she's a very sweet person and we enjoyed talking, like we said in the conversation, uh, even before the recording started, just to, <laughs> you know, get, get to know one another. We felt like we were friends by the time we, you know, hit record, but, um, I appreciated her sharing her struggle or her physical, um, challenges that are, that are coming up because a lot of times when we talk about recovery practices, it can sound really conceptual and, um, yeah. abstract and contrived. And, uh, you know, we get into all our little, uh, sayings and all of our little mechanisms right. and all that stuff. And we forget that there's real life that is going on that, that, um, this, this plugs, plugs right into and prepares us for, you know, it prepares yeah. us for these unforeseen things, these health challenges and even, you know, relational challenges and all these other things that yeah. we would have not identified as part of our recovery, but is very much a part of our recovery, you know, cause yeah. it's about yeah. how we do life, not just how we stay sober. And, yeah. Yeah. um, and so I really appreciated her, her ability to kind of, and willingness to bring it full circle and say, and not only that, here's where I'm applying that and having an opportunity to apply it in a new way in my own life in an unexpected uh, scenario that I never would have written for myself, but I'm going to approach in a very um, positive and uh, intentional way. So, so that was, that was really a, a, a blessing to me. Oh, you know, and I think the reason we feel so close and connected to Adapia, even though, you know, we're separated by all these miles and never actually had a chance to exchange a hug, is that she is alive to her own experience Mm -hmm. and is courageous enough to be vulnerable and and share that experience uh, without posing or pretending or, you know, covering it with, you know, frosting, uh, allows us, allows us to, to, Enter her struggle with her. She's comfortable there, mm-hmm. or, or uh, I mean, she's not running from life, and she allows us, even you know, new friends, yeah, uh, to sh- to share the struggle with her. Uh, 
which makes it easier for her and easier for us. And now we have a new friend. We have a new, yeah. uh, we have a new colleague yeah. on this marvelous road of recovery. Yeah, absolutely. I, I loved that at the beginning of the uh, conversation, we were sharing her story. She mentioned that she said, I was, I was living the wrong life. Um, mm. I, the life that I had, I had bought into and, and said, okay to, um, was not the life that was, um, from my deepest, uh, yeah. place of authenticity, you know, and, and had to make a lot of hard changes because of the realizations that came with that. And so, um, you know, her, it's a brave story. So I, I just, I'm, I'm grateful to that. And, um, and uh, I know that she'll appreciate the thoughts and well wishes and prayers of uh, our, our listeners uh, as she yeah. embarks on her next season here. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, David, our time is coming to an end. Uh, you have got, we've got a good calendar lineup of guests, and we'll see how many of them are well enough to actually participate. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, please. Yeah. And the tapings when they come due. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, sooner or later, we'll get all these great conversations down and record it. In the meantime, before we go, uh, we do want to, again, invite our listeners to uh, communicate with us. We love your feedback. We love your encouragement. We love your constructive criticism. And you can always reach us at Positive Sobriety Podcast at gmail.com. Before That's we right. go, remind us, uh, remind us of our sponsor, will you, David? Absolutely. Uh, we uh, are really so uh, thrilled to be sponsored by BetterHelp.com. And BetterHelp is an online uh, therapy opportunity for you to engage from your own home, from the, uh, the privacy of your own cell phone and uh, your own surroundings with a licensed therapist. And they will, they will take you through uh, everything from your anxiety issues, depression, anything you would go to a, a counselor in person for, BetterHelp.com can uh, help you uh, address. And and this group is uh, growing. They've got over 500,000 subscribers now and lots of licensed therapists. If you get into a situation where maybe the therapist that you have been assigned is not maybe a perfect fit for you, you can always change uh, as part of your subscription. And if you will uh, go to betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety, uh, it helps us know what our resources uh, that are helpful are. And also you'll get a 10% discount on your subscription initially. So that's an incentive for you and it helps us. So betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety. All right. Well, that wraps it for this episode. It's been so good hearing your voice. Can't wait to get back to Franklin and give you a hug, David. Well, likewise. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've, I've got a coffee shop, Nate, right under, right under I my- know I'll you know, So we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time then, I'm Nate. I'm David. And we are your pals on the Positive Sobriety podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 